0: Amen. Everybody, all I got to say is um, we made a good decision to come to church today on Friday night to the challenge. You could have went anywhere this Friday night, right? But you came to church and God is pleased. God has a smile on his face when his people come to hear from him and to worship Him. I'm excited to be here. I feel the presence of God, and what better place to be, amen? Let's jump right into this with the scripture for this series called The Challenge 2019. Joshua chapter 24, verse 14 to 15 says this. Now therefore fear the Lord, serve Him, in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you, serve the Lord. Then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Ammonites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house... We will serve the Lord. Powerful scripture. Powerful. But did you know why Joshua even said all that? This was Joshua's farewell address to his people. He was about to die. He was about to pass on. And he said, I got to give him one last message. And like Joshua we must never conclude our work for God, no matter where we are in our lives. Even up to the point that our life is going to conclude. Like Joshua, he said, I got something to say. Church, we should always have something to say if we got Jesus in our hearts. And like Pastor Ruben mentioned, it's never too late. It's never too late. We could still work for God all the way to our last day. Amen. Joshua was preaching until his last days. And now he wanted to leave his marching orders. These were his last words. But even though the message was important, and we're going to get into what he said and what he meant, where he gave the message is equally important. I'm talking about the location he chose to give this message. The place was called Shechem. And Shechem was important for two reasons. The first reason was that Shechem was the place where God and Abraham made a covenant. He took it back old school. He took it back to the first time God made a covenant with man. And this is what the covenant said in Genesis chapter 12, verse 6 to 7. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. That was the covenant. That was the promise. So Abram built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. That's the first reason it's important. The second reason it's important is because Joshua also made covenant with God. The people of Israel and Joshua made a covenant to God there at Shechem when they were first entering into Israel. What's the lesson in this? What is the lesson in the place that was chosen by Joshua? Was it just a mistake? Was it, well, that looks like a good place to do it? He was intentional. The lesson in this is we need to go back to the first place we met God. We need to go back to the place where we first met God. When you first got saved, everything was new. You looked forward to praying. You, look, you took your Bible everywhere you went because at every spare moment you were reading, at the bus stop, on your break, in traffic. Be careful, don't do that. But you were so excited for the new thing that God was doing for you. You were looking forward to coming to church. You know Jesus wants this for us today? He says, he wants us to come back to our first love. In Revelation chapter two, verse four, he says, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Let's not forsake forsake our first love. Let's not forget how far God has brought us. You may have got saved last week. Well, you came a long way in that week, let me tell you. You may have gotten saved 20 years ago. You really should have come a long way in 20 years. Let's not forget how far God has brought us. Rudyard Kipling, he's the author of the Jungle Book, he says this, The tumult and the shouting dies, the captains and the kings depart. Still stands thine ancient sacrifice, a humble and a contrite heart. Lord God of hosts, be with us yet, lest we forget, lest we forget. Let's not forget what god has saved us from don't forget about what god has done church sometimes we come so far we almost get proud of ourselves and we're like oh man i'm wearing a suit i'm 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 talking better i'm i'm acting better and we kind of get caught up where we're at and we forget where we were and what god did to get us to that place you know i'd like to share some unfortunate examples of what I've seen too many times. Too many times I've seen so many people of God in all sincerity cry out to God for a miracle, a great miracle for their husbands or their wives to get saved or to get their kids back that maybe DCFS or CPS took away. I'm talking about real miracles that you needed Or to have favor in court because if you didn't, you'd be going to jail for a long time. And I know I'm talking to somebody. Some prayed for a wife. Took a lot of prayer. And you know what happens? God hears those prayers. And great miracles happened. But when the dust settles and things go back to normal... The spouse gets saved. You get your kids back. You got that favor in court, no jail time. You get the girl, then you pull back. You stop going to Bible study. You stop going to outreach all of a sudden. You stop making altar calls at every service. You used to make altar calls in tears. You used to look forward to church just for the altar call. And uh, maybe that was just me. Anybody? <laughs> this was where we met God. And we wanted to be here. Can I tell you something? I think it saddens God's heart when we stop hitting these altars. Because we feel I don't need to pray. I, I don't need to bow down. No. Or even worse, we stop praying altogether. Or now you only pray for a few minutes a day. When you used to pray for an hour or more. Because you had something you needed. And these are real examples. But why? Why does this happen? For some, this is their thinking. I need to press in and serve the Lord because. I really need to press in now because if I don't, I need or I won't get this. See, the problem with this thinking is that we feel we don't have to press in as much when we get what we need. Can I share some revelation with you? When you serve God, God sees and wants to answer your prayers. Because of the very fact that you are in his service. If you pull back, you're not helping yourself. If you want God's favor, listen to me, who wants God's favor in this place? If you want God's favor, then you need to be in his service. Not in just the service. I'm talking about in his service. Like Pastor Ruben, you know, pointed out a good brother that knows how to sing. I'm going to tell you something. God knew that all along. When you serve God faithfully and you have a desire in your heart, don't worry. God will give you the desires of your heart. Pursue God. Don't pursue the desire. Because when you pursue God, God will give you the desire. If you pursue the desire, you might miss out on God. You need to keep God in it. And it fires up God when you serve him. When you're in the service of the great king, we are taken care of. We are taken care of. Our families are taken care of. John chapter 12, verse 26. My father will honor the one who serves me, says Jesus. My father... Will honor the one who serves me. Wow, to be honored by God? Do we even deserve any honor from God? Remember, let's take it back to where we came from. Who were we? Maybe who are we? We don't deserve any honor from God. But His Word says that if we serve Him, He honors us. That's a great privilege. This is why it's so good to go back to that place where you first met God. Do you remember? Do you remember the feeling? Do you remember the spirit? Do you remember the tears? Do you remember the love? Do you remember your need? Or have we forgotten? We need to remind ourselves about what God has done. Let's not forget. If you don't appreciate your salvation, you will never appreciate your blessings. I'm gonna say that again. If you do not appreciate your salvations, you're not gonna appreciate the blessings that come your way. You won't see the blessings, you won't understand things that are blessings because you can't even appreciate the fact that God has saved your soul. He has saved us from hell. Can I also tell you that the actual place, the physical location, the physical place is also very highly significant? There is a reason why you are here today. I'm going to say this again. There is a reason why you are here today on a Friday night. God has called you to New Harvest. I'm not saying there aren't any other good churches out there. I'm not saying that. But God brought you here. God brought you here. And it's no mistake that you're here. Because God doesn't make mistakes. And can I tell you something? God has a high calling on New Harvest churches. So what that means is that you're in this place. If you're going to a New Harvest Church and God has a high calling on New Harvest Churches, that means God has a high calling on you. There is a purpose and a reason that God has brought you. And can I tell you, if you were invited by one of our New Harvest Churches, and maybe you're looking for a church, I can tell you today, stop searching. You don't need to search anymore. Look. I can only speak from my experience, and no, this church isn't perfect, but the New Harvest vision is. It's aligned with the Word of God and the heart of God. It's the vision that we pursue, and like God challenged Abraham and Moses when he was about to take them into a new place, he made a covenant with them. And you know what a covenant is? It's not just I'm going to bless you, but it's like I'm going to bless you, and this is what you're going to do for me. That's a covenant. It is a contract, two-sided, not just God-sided. It is us and God that are required to do our parts in order for the covenant to move forward. So if you're expecting God just to bless you and bless you and bless you, and you don't want to move a finger, it ain't going to happen. That's the word, that's not me. That is the covenant example of what covenant is. And like Joshua challenged the people before they entered into the new land. So I believe we too need to be challenged if we want to receive the new things that God has for us. There is always something new in the kingdom of God. It should never get old in the kingdom of God. If you see your life... And your walk with God, and you feel as if though, oh, it's the same old thing. It's the same post I'm at, every service, it's the same classroom I'm in, every, you know, then something's wrong. Something is wrong here. And you need to evaluate. Can I tell you some of the best most anointed, Holy Ghost, Spirit-filled times I had with God were in the parking lot watching people's cars. No offense to the great preaching in the church, but I- I'd be out there walking through cars, and man, I'd feel God's presence. I'd be praying, just walking, praying, and whew, God would fill me, and I'd be like, wow. If this is how it feels outside, imagine how it feels inside. God wants to give us new things. Now let's look at the challenge that Joshua gave the people of Israel. He challenged them with a question. Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Jesus also made the same challenge in the New Testament. And he says in Matthew chapter 6 verse 24, no one can serve two masters Either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You could change that money to anything else. You cannot serve both God and boyfriend. You cannot serve both God and job. Fill in the blank. You know what I like is Jesus used this really awesome word. He says, or you will be devoted. Devoted. What does devoted mean? It means dedication. We should be dedicated, devoted to Jesus. Do we have devotion in our lives? You know what devotion is? Taking time aside in the morning or the evening and praying and devoting some time to him do you devote some time to god do you devote prayer time reading time to god if the answer is no then you're in for a blessing if you start you may think your life's good well not really because it only gets better when you have devotion with god we should be devoted to jesus And God is saying something here in the Old Testament through Joshua, in the New Testament through Jesus. He is challenging his people to live a lifestyle that shows their full devotion and their full service to Christ. Why does God have to challenge us with this? He does this because he knows there are many things today, as there were back then, that are pulling and tugging at us, competing with God. He knows this. They try to tell us, do this, do that. Go here, go there. Hang out with these people. No, 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 hang out with those people. The world is pulling at us and tugging at us every which way, and God is challenging us because of these pursuits for these other things. You know, when we get enticed by the world, it's easier to forget how far God has brought you. You know, when you give in to a little bit of cussing, a little bit of worldly music, a little bit of stinking thinking, whatever you want to call it. All of a sudden, we forget how far God has brought us. Because we get enticed by this, then we get enticed by this, then we get enticed by that. It's usually never I got enticed with a big, huge sin. It's usually a bunch of little sins, and before you know it, you're like, Jesus is like, look how far you have fallen. Jesus said, look at the height from which you have fallen. What Jesus is saying, you don't even realize it. Look where you were, and look where you are. Now, I want you to stop right now in your seats. And I want you to think. We're going to do an exercise in this church. I want you to think of the moment. Close your eyes. Everyone, close your eyes. Think of the condition you were in when you first got saved. Think about the road you were on when you first got saved. Think about that. Let it sink in. What were you doing? Where were you going? Who were you with? How were you feeling? Now, give God praise for where he has brought you from right now, hallelujah. Give God praise because that's exactly what God has saved you from. God has brought you from the depths of the pit and raised you up. Do not forget, do not forget where we came from and who saved us from it. And like I said, you might have just got saved a week ago. It doesn't matter when you got saved. He still brought you far. Maybe you're in this place and you're not even saved yet. Well guess what, you're in for a miracle tonight because God is gonna bring you far tonight. Now, let's go back to Joshua and our scripture text. Now, therefore, fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and in truth. Put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river and in Egypt, serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. God was challenging the people of Israel for one thing. Stop your idol worship. Stop it. And he named them. You worship false gods from Egypt on the other side of the, ri- of the River Jordan. And you even worship the, people, the people's gods here, the Ammonites' gods. He was taking it back, then more recent, and then present. He was saying, stop it. You know the word put away in that verse when he says, put away the gods? You know what put away in Hebrew means? Divorce. Divorce yourself from these things that you have married. Divorce yourself from these false things that you worship. Cut the tie. Cut the bond. Enough of that. God is calling us to divorce ourselves from this world, church but we're getting caught up in it. We're getting pulled into it. We're getting tugged into it. You know, the Israelites' family from before them had adopted the ways of the world and and, and they started to worship other gods too that were being worshiped around them. They learned it from their fathers and their parents. Parents, our kids, watch what we do. And by the way, I want to show you a list of their gods. Now, I want to make a point. I, didn't, I erased their names because they don't have the, they, they deserve no honor in this place. But the list that you're going to see right now as they put it up are the characteristics of the gods that the children of Israel were worshiping. There's a list. Keep going. There's another list. Keep going. There's another list keep going. There's another list, and I think there's another one. Yes, 45 false gods that they were worshiping. Their names don't deserve mention. I show you that just to show you all the different characteristics of each of those gods whom they were worshiping, which is why Joshua, at the end of his days, after going through getting out of Egypt, going through the desert, getting into the land and winning all the battles, and they were still worshiping those false gods. And Joshua said, I have one message before I die, and that one message is, stop it already. You keep doing this. It must have broke his heart. Now you might say, well, pastor, you see, we don't believe in other gods like that. We don't worship false gods, we believe in Jesus. So it really doesn't relate to me. Really? Church, really? What if I listed all the things that consume your time and affections? Those idols in your lives. The number of friends that you feel you have to cater to. The amount of time you spend on your phones. The money you spend on entertainment. The other women and men you look at other than your spouse. Maybe it's even the way you prioritize your kids and your family over God. How about the music artists that you admire and sing along with that sing nothing but garbage? There's no Jesus in their lyrics, and you know I'm talking truth. You know it's garbage, but you like it anyway. And you say, oh, I I just listened to the beat. That's baloney, man. That's baloney. Those words are penetrating your ears into the depths of your soul, and you sing them out. It ain't just the beat. I'm speaking truth to someone tonight. You know, and if I were to take, if we were to take out our playlist, honestly, the list of worldly music would probably be way longer than that list way longer you know i'm talking truth 150 tracks 200 tracks and not one god song in there are you willing to put away divorce yourself from that garbage because that's the challenge that joshua gave to the people and it's still the challenge today Because there's false gods pulling at us, tugging at us, desiring that we worship them. You know, if I could call up the worship team, in closing, church, can I challenge you today? Who will you serve? The one and only true God The maker of heaven and earth, the only one that can save your soul, the only one that can raise the dead, or the gods of this world today that I know are far greater than the list I just showed. 45 is nothing compared to the false gods that we people in this society worshipped or some of us still worship will you serve your own appetites for pleasure will you serve your own lusts will you serve your own desire for money or will you serve God will you serve in your church Will you be willing to fall under the leadership of your pastor? Or will you be willing to serve under your ministry leaders? Married couples, will you be willing to serve your spouse? Joshua states, to put away the gods which your forefathers served on the other side of the river and in Egypt and instead serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose whom you will serve. God is calling us, church. I'm talking to saved people. We still have some idols hidden away. We still have some idols that we worship on the side. God is saying, divorce yourself from them. Or does it seem evil to you? That I even have to tell you to divorce yourself from them see today many in this world feel that the church is evil because it teaches against the world's doctrines the church is evil you're full of hate you're full of judgment that's what the world thinks that we're full of evil and that's what was being said then does it seem evil to you it's not evil no choose today whom you will serve God is calling you not tomorrow today who will you serve I have a quote here and this author talks about the prophet Jeremiah and I love what he says but you got to understand Jeremiah he was a special prophet because God told him, Jeremiah, I have called you from the womb. I have a high calling on you to preach to Israel. I'm going to give you revelation. I'm going to give you words of life to spread to Israel. And guess what? No one's going to listen to you, no one's going to care what you have to say. Not one. Jeremiah could have said forget this man. What kind of a calling is this? Why would I want to serve God if everyone's gonna hate me? They even tried to kill him multiple times This was God's calling on his life And you know what he did it for 40 years He did it for 40 years until the prophecies were fulfilled he didn't give up and I love what this author says he says the same Lord who enabled Jeremiah can enable us the same world that opposed Jeremiah will oppose us it's time for God's people to be decisive make a decision already God says This is the challenge. We came to the challenge, right? We're being challenged, church. God wants us to make a decision. Enough of the games already. Enough of the games. God is drawing the line and he's saying, make a decision today. If we could bow our heads. You know... When God challenges us, it's not because he's mad at us. It's not because he's upset with us. It's because he loves us. It's because he knows what he created you for. And it hurts him to see that you're not living up to it. You will be taken care of when you choose God. You will be taken care of when you choose Christ. Do not be afraid to divorce yourself from the things of this world. You know, the altar in the Bible is a sacred place. It's where people met God. Maybe you're in this place today and you need to meet God. Because you realized I forgot. I forgot how far God has saved me. I forgot where I came from, and I need to reappreciate what He's done. Or maybe you just want to say, God, don't let me get to that place where I forget what you've done. And you just want to give God thanks and love and appreciation. Opening up the altars right now. If that's you, come on up and let's meet God together at this altar. Let's pour out our hearts at this altar. Let's recommit our lives to God at this altar. Let's divorce ourselves from the things of this world once and for all at this altar. Let's tell God how much we appreciate what he has done for us. Let's thank God for what he has saved us from. Let's thank God and show him our love by bowing down before him. Hallelujah. All i